The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rock. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this. I hate the work of those who fall away. My mouth I'll make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in your works. are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authority Board of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com and there's two videos at the top of the page. Now, I told you we're live and we are live at this moment, but we're pre-recording the show. Uh, the video on the left side, it will be, all of this will look a little different. The video on the left side is Bradley's show from the previous day. You can watch that up until 3 p.m. Eastern today, uh, at which time he will be live in that little area right there. And on the right side of the page is where we are. And all you got to do is click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got, and then look for the rumble icon in the bottom right-hand corner. 
click on that and join us in the chat on Rumble. We are streaming live to Rumble. Our channel is Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Please subscribe over there and help us build that up again. Uh, you know, we lost, I don't know how many, two or three channels on YouTube during all this whole, uh, the convids. So uh, we, we've lost things several places. We're having to rebuild them up. So help us do that. We'd appreciate that very much. Also, we're streaming on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty, a variety of Facebook pages that bear my name. Although when this airs, I think, I've got another two days where they're kind of not letting me do anything on there because I guess I got out of bounds by pointing out who the real Chinese prostitutes are uh, in the D.C. crime syndicate. Um, so <laughs> that probably won't be happening for another two days or whatever uh, from the time that we are, are pre-recording here. But otherwise, there's a couple of Facebook pages that bear my name that we're streaming out on. Also, Twitch, The Real Tim Brown, and then also Twitter for whatever that's worth. The real Tim Brow, leave off the N and add a two there. The real Tim Brow two, and you got me there. So we're streaming on all those platforms. Right up under where we're streaming, though, on Sons of Liberty Media.com is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. You get one of those in, uh, a day that goes up between seven and eight Eastern. Uh, if you want our ministry email that tells you what's going on in the ministry, what we're doing in Sons of Liberty, um, you can go to Sons of Liberty Radio.com, sign up right on the front page. And uh, we appreciate your support in that. And then finally, if you agree with our message and you want to financially support us, a lot of you guys pray for us. Um, you come into the chats, you pop in on the video channels, you listen to the radio, and we appreciate that. But if you want to keep us going uh, other than just that, then there's a donate button at the top of the page, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that and make a one-time donation. Or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. Again, we can't do what we do without you um, as the Lord moves on your heart and you and you give, we, we try to utilize that to keep out uh, with as much information, have guests on all these kinds of things, not just on the radio, not just the Internet, but we go out among the people uh, teaching our Christian constitutional heritage. So uh, it's a it's a busy ministry. So we appreciate your support very much. Now, this morning, we got some special guests. Uh, they are returning guests. So I don't have to I don't feel like I have to make a, a big intro for them. They, I consider them friends of, of Sons of Liberty, uh, and in their own right, they are Sons of Liberty uh, here in the States and across the pond, as they say. <laughs> so this morning, we've got with us uh, Dr. Ali Ajaj. You remember we had him on with Kate on the Saturday, and then we have Dr. Andrew Kaufman, who we ha have had on the show uh, several times as well. And uh, good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you. Great to see morning. you. Glad, glad to be among infidels. <laughs> amen, amen. Ali? Uh, morning, Tim. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we had we had these two guys uh, kind of get together because I told uh, Dr. Kaufman, I don't know, I, I think I told you maybe a year ago, I said, I want to have something because we were having all these mass shootings take place. And, and, and I said, let's get behind what goes on with some of this. And I think we talked about uh, psychotropic drugs. Uh, and I think you had a whole presentation at the time. Uh, and then uh, Ali came on and I had a little discussion with him. And I said, well, I've been wanting to have Andrew on to talk about this. And Ali has some expertise in this area as well. And so what I want to do is I just kind of want to throw this out to you guys and let's have a conversation about this. Both of you are, I hope I got the, the term right, Psychiatrist, right? You're you're the guys who get paid the big bucks. Is, have I got that right? Not a psychologist, but a psychiatrist. Am I right on that? 
well, partly right. We're we're not psychologists. We're doctors in psychiatry. Uh, psychiatry. But I'm not sure about the big bucks on this side of the <laughs> pond. Never there for you, uh, Andrew. Well, I think uh, you know, Tim. You definitely got it right, psychiatrists, because uh, we go through regular medical school and uh, prescribe, or you know, at least for me, used to prescribe drugs. Um, and you know, it's uh, we're actually both forensic psychiatrists, which is a, a subspecialty where we've um, had you know knowledge and experience uh, with the intersection of law and psychiatry. And so that involves, of course, criminal uh, violence uh, is something that we both looked into and have a lot of experience. So that really is uh, kind of the expertise we bring to the discussion. Okay. All right. So one of the here's the here's the first thing I'm gonna I'm gonna ask here. And uh, Andrew, let me let me have you go ahead since you've done that uh, since you've spoken of this and you said you used to prescribe uh, drugs. Why do you not do that anymore? And do you see that it's kind of a two part question? I guess you're going to kind of answer it when you do it. Why do you not do it? And did you see any harm that was was resulting from that that led to other things, uh, not just that dealt with the individual you're prescribing drugs for, but maybe even in society in general? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, w one thing is I think uh, both the, uh, Dr. Ajaz and myself agree on is that in general, psychiatric drugs seem to have a very numbing effect on the emotions, uh, but uh, they don't clearly actually address the problems that, uh, you know, men and women have when they seek out psychiatric treatment. So just the fact that we're actually not providing helpful treatment is a problem for society in and of itself. And these drugs are among the top 10 prescribed drugs, and they're often used off-label, and they're used by non-mental health uh, doctors, right? Like primary care doctors are actually the number one prescribers, and they really have no training um, at all in uh, evaluating and managing, you know, people who have issues with depression, anxiety. They don't know how to even assess it, let alone to talk to someone or provide therapeutic intervention. So we have a massive kind of experiment using, for example, antipsychotic drugs that are used to, you know, treat people with schizophrenia and manic episodes being given out as sleeping pills, uh, or used to quell agitation in the elderly in assisted living or uh, skilled mm -hmm. nursing facilities. So we, we have, you know, that level of problems. Then we have the individual uh, drugs and and uh, issues themselves, like for example, antipsychotics have been shown in a very large study of all Medicaid recipients in I think it was the state of Tennessee that all of these children just experience sudden death from these drugs. We have other evidence that it substantially shortens people's lifespans when they look at longitudinal health outcomes. With antidepressants, we have large studies from Canada, for example that show a uh, substantially increased rate of death for individuals taking antidepressants. And this has been, um, there have been multiple signals in the data, even in studies, not even looking at that, like there were studies of women and uh, cardiovascular health outcomes like strokes. And they found um, a signal there that antidepressants seem to be associated with strokes. So we're talking about uh, serious physical health outcomes, 
Um, we're talking about societal outcomes from the misuse and overuse of these agents. Um, but then, of course, there are the psychological aspects. And one thing that was uh, extremely concerning that I experienced, and you know, first, this was during my training at Duke when a warning came out from the FDA, so-called black box warning, which is one step away from taking a drug off the market. And what it said is that it increased suicidal behaviors in children. And uh, we had to, we're told to like change basically how we um, do our procedures when we prescribe these drugs to essentially cover our malpractice liability. Uh, but we were also told that, oh, you know, this is a misunderstanding that um, it's, it's because they're depressed that they have suicidal behaviors. But later on in my experience working with uh, adolescents and especially girls um, that were prescribed these medications, they would basically had this recurrent experience that when I took them off the antidepressant, their daily suicidal thoughts would go away. And it was really hard for me to believe this because how could a drug you know, bring about a type of thought? It didn't you know, even seem possible. But then after just seeing this over and over again uh, with these uh, teenage girls mostly, but with a couple of boys as well, I saw that this is a, a real phenomenon and who knows how widespread it is because antidepressants are among the top drugs and we have seen increases in suicide rates. So, you know, there are many, many levels that these drugs are harmful and have not ever been declared useful. Okay. Uh, before I, I let uh, Ali chime in, you mentioned something there in Tennessee, there was, there was some of these drugs introduced and the kids were dying instantly on taking them. I never heard of that. What, when was that? And what was the drug? Uh, well, these were the, uh, modern antipsychotic drugs, including things like Cyprexa, which is known as Olanzapine, uh, Quetiapine, which is Seroquel and drugs, uh, similar to that. Risperdal actually uh, was one of the main ones. And this is published in the peer reviewed literature. I can send you a copy, um, of the paper. But it showed that there was a substantial increase in sudden death, essentially, that these children and teenagers just, you know, were dead in their sleep or dropped dead. Um, you know, and I'd seen some uh, cases like this actually at the local psychiatric hospital um, in central New York, where I'm at, uh, related to clozapine, a very, very toxic drug that is uh, has to have you know, weekly blood monitoring and all this stuff. But I've seen, you know, there are lots of cases where it causes a variety of, of uh, fatal complications. So this is really known among psychiatrists, at least to some degree, and it's certainly published in the peer-reviewed literature. Okay. All right. Dr. Ali, what's what's been your experience in that as well? Did Were you one that used to prescribe drugs as well? Do you do it now? Do you not do it? And, and why? So, so firstly, I'd just like to um, reiterate everything that uh, Andy Andreas said about the state of affairs in the, in the US. It's uh, remarkably similar here in the UK, uh, where essentially there's a lack of uh, objective scientific inquiry when it comes to the usefulness and also the dangers of these types of medication. So essentially, I think doctors end up getting a memo from the drug companies to tell them how safe the drugs are and how effective they are. And if a patient doesn't respond to the drugs, then actually it's a problem with the patient because they have a form of illness, which is treatment resistant. And th this is the lingo that 
young doctors and medical students get taught and uh, have to learn and regurgitate in exams. Uh, and, it, and it's a type of brainwashing, it's a type of conditioning where you, you conceive treatment to be confined to pharmaceutical agents. Um, and you shift the blame to the patient when, when they don't work and when they're not effective. So, so that's, that's the, I think for, for myself, the crux of the problem that doctors uh, aren't allowed or able to, don't have the skills or, or the objective independent thinking. And it might be a bit of a shock to your, to your listeners, but you know, this is mainstream medicine. Uh, doctors are highly conditioned uh, individuals. Uh, that don't really have much independent thought, although everyone likes to think that, and many doctors would think that they disagree with me, but the reality and the truth is is what it is. Uh, and so uh, as a consequence of that, there's there's a whole range of problems with these medications that just isn't getting flagged up. And doctors, what they end up doing is when one doesn't work, then they either change a few times to a second or a third uh, line agent, like a, a antidepressant, and when the third one doesn't work, then they add a second one. So you're on two or you may get referred to the super specialist centers that we have here in England. And all they do is add a fourth and a fifth one to the cocktail of drugs. And, and for some reason, uh, doctors lost, have lost their way. They think that the main job is to prescribe drugs rather than to heal individuals. And one of the things I've learned over my almost 20 year experience is that drugs don't heal anyone they don't cure anything uh, and if anything being on drugs over longer term you change the brain uh, to make the, the, the brain need the drug so when you try and take them off it it becomes very difficult um, and so the utility of drugs is very difficult I, I haven't seen anyone who's been cured from medication um, most of the patients that I've worked with in forensic hospitals are, are very very severely damaged individuals and most of the, and, and the ones that do end up leaving are on medication essentially for, for life. Um, and it, it, the drugs just don't cure anyone. And I also have uh, a general psychiatric outpatient clinic where, where I see uh, non-criminals and non-dangerous people. Um, and it's the same, same there. So over, over my practice, I've, I've significantly reduced um, my work with medication. I, I end up taking people off medication more than I to starting them, um, but, but I, I do use them still as a very short-term measure for people who are highly distressed uh, and giving them the option of that. Um, I never insist anyone takes any drugs and I always give them uh, more natural alternatives, but but sometimes um, you know, it, may, it may be the thing that they need for a few days to reduce some of the distress. Um, so, so I think that's, it is the biggest challenge, uh, this lack of um, openness in, in, in modern medicine. Um, and it really overshadows meaningful ways to heal people um, and things to cure the imbalances that individuals have. And I think that's the endeavours that I think both Andy and myself are both doing in our own ways to to try and find that meaningful way, especially when it comes to psychiatric illness and, and, and psychological problems. Okay. All right. Now, one of the things, you know, we pointed out during the whole, you know, convids thing, uh, we pointed out, you know, to scripture that that's where our foundations come from. And, uh, you know, it talks about the nations being deceived by their sorceries, their pharmacia, their their drug use and stuff. And uh, I know, you know, with both of you guys, we when you've been on the show, that's where you've you've kind of you've went away from that. And even you're saying that for the most part, you've you've you're you don't look in that area. You look for something that's more natural. And I know uh, Andy uh, 
from the time, many times you've been on, we've talked about, you know, herbs and the way people eat and all that affects how we conduct ourselves. I want to ask this question. Have you mentioned schizophrenia and some other things like this, you know, and in the past, some people would have said there's a spiritual aspect to this. Some would say uh, people were giving evidence of demon possession and things of this nature. How much have you guys seen something that you say, okay, wait a minute, this is not just a physical issue. There's something spiritual going on with this person. And uh, I recall years ago uh, when you would used to see these commercials that came on TV when we had TV, uh, at least the, the programming kind of TV that came in. Uh, they come on and they just start telling you about you need this drug. If you're feeling a little anxious or if you're a little introverted, you can take this drug and it'll make you feel. Well, I, 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 people who who, uh, who who lived on the scene that I did back then, well, you could just have a shot of vodka and that'll take away that real quick. I mean, you don't have to go down that road. But they were selling you stuff over things that just seem like, OK, this is just stuff that that happened to people. They grow out of it or they have to you know, be put in front of a crowd or whatever the case may be. Did you guys have people that you saw and it was in your mind, wait a minute, there's something going on beyond even the drugs. There's going something going on beyond even just a mental illness. There's some kind of spiritual aspect to here. Could you speak to that? Either of either of you had any of that? Yeah, I can, uh, I can definitely talk to that issue. And, um, you know, what I first noticed when I started working with uh, psychotic individuals, and that's kind of a broad term, uh, which means kind of losing touch with reality. And they often have experiences of hallucinations and delusions is how we talk about it. Now, uh, I'm not trying to explain what these things actually are, but hallucinations is most commonly where uh, individuals hear a voice talking to them that's not their own. Um, and there are certain types of content that is very common for them to hear. And delusions are what's called a fixed false belief. And that's where they have some beliefs that aren't grounded in the same reality that we observe. And, you know, some of the uh, beliefs of the mass population uh, also can be considered mass delusion. And uh, there's some very interesting work from Eust Merlou um, on that for those interested, who's another psychiatric scholar. Um, but, you know, really what we're talking about here uh, is the content of the delusions that ever since I first started doing psychiatry, people had a lot of delusions about demons, uh, about God, religious and biblical themes, and especially when they come from a cultural environment that's religious, because I worked in the southeast and there were a lot of patients that came from Bible Belt uh, towns and cities. So there was a lot of this content and that kind of clued me into, you know, why is this particular content so prominent um, in the delusional experience? And then, you know, fast forward many years later when I became um, uh, a part of the uh, skeptical group uh, against psychiatry, when I came across the work of Jerry Marzinski, and he's someone that you really need to look into uh, on this topic. And he was a psychologist, um, so he had a kind of a different role, but he worked in the state forensic uh, psychiatric hospital, as well as in, I believe, the LA uh, County Jail, the largest, uh, known as the largest psychiatric hospital in the world. And he worked with people who are, you know, considered criminally insane, who are mentally ill and violent uh, criminal offenders. And he 
started using a variety of uh, behavioral techniques and came to the opinion that he actually feels that this these disorders are a form of demonic possession. And he's had patients that he worked with been able to talk to the demons and shut them out with various techniques and has had success. So when I was working with a teenager, this right at the tail end of when I was still doing psychiatry, um, I was working with a teenager who had some degree of developmental disability that we couldn't assess, but who was extremely psychotic and very disturbed behaviorally and almost uncommunicative uh, in terms of being able to talk and describe what's going on. And so I did what I felt compelled to do is I had adequate trials of three different antipsychotics. I, you know, went up to uh, clear therapeutic, you know, doses according to the guidelines and nothing impacted him at all. So I undertook some advice from Jerry Marzinski to have him uh, recite a Bible verse. I, I'm blanking on exactly what the verse is now. But he, he, because he had the practice of going to church with his family and it, he was comfortable with that. So he did this and he said that whenever he did this, the voices turned off for a while. So then we, uh, he kept doing that. And then I added this other technique from a colleague of Marzinski's, um, called That's a Lie. And all he did was every time a voice, came into his head, he said, that's a lie. And in two or three weeks of doing this, he turned into a totally different um, kid. Like wow. he could start talking, say that how he lonely he was. He started engaging in some social behavior uh, just from these, you know, techniques. Now, this doesn't, of course, prove that uh, there is demonic possession, but it's quite interesting. It's way more effective than any response to a drug that I've seen. So I think this is something that really should be looked into uh, a bit more because I often find that spiritual crises like existential crises, which are talked about in mainstream psychiatry, I mean, look at the books of Irv Yalom, uh, for example, are really related to more to a uh, spiritual aspects than to what we think of as, you know, behavior and cognition uh, traditionally under the umbrella of psychology. Okay. Yeah. Some of the things that you're talking about here reminds me it, when you, when you're making reference to that, and we're going to get to this in just a minute, I think, but it reminds me of this book I, I read, which I highly recommend to people, uh, Kathy O'Brien's book, uh, Transformation of America, a true life story of a mind control slave. And, um, and hers, both her and her daughter, for people who don't know the story, they were, they were mind controlled. Her own husband was using them as prostitutes and they were with it. The amazing thing to me, Andrew, was they were using Bible. They were using scriptures and stuff to turn her on or turn her off as to how they were going to uh, do things. And the guy who ended up helping her, I think he's dead now. You know, he gave his life to, to deprogramming her and her daughter, keeping them safe all this kind of stuff. And all this was coming out of the CIA is my understanding. We'll talk about that in a second. But Ali, have you had the same kind of experiences in dealing with people, something similar to what Andrew's talked about? It's, it's a very distinct experience as a clinician, uh, as a psychiatrist, when you come across psychotic patients. Um, and one of the things that's jumped out to me over the years is that often when 
when people become delusional and hold these false uh, beliefs that become damaging to themselves and the people around them, they they often contain a, a religious of a religious nature. Whether there's people talk about Jesus or whether they talk about God um, uh, and the devil and this fight against good and evil. And in my experience, most of the patients that I've had that become uh, religious in this way during delusional uh, phases are are non-religious when they're when they're not delusional. So there's it's it's not got anything to do with um, bringing in their day, daily life and in, in being intertwined within their psychosis. I think this runs deeper, much deeper. Um, so it's really it's really something that that I've been very aware of. And and, and the other side to it is that most people become psychotic. Uh, there's a, some degree of trauma uh, in their childhood, and it kind of leads on to some of the the, the, the mind control things that will come on to for sure. But trauma, having tra traumatic experiences, as a, especially as a child, it, it doesn't cultivate um, uh, your spiritual aspect of your being. If anything, it has the opposite effect. So we, we can try and understand some of these mechanisms that we've got precursors to these psychotic experiences. Now, what, what, whatever they are exactly, whether they are, the trauma leads to some type of opening that makes someone more susceptible uh, when their level of spirituality is is diminished we can we can hypothesize and, and and try and understand certain mechanisms but without knowing the specifics i think that it's a very tangible aspect which uh, mainstream medicine isn't uh, equipped in any way shape or form to understand and it just kind of brushes it to the side um but it's difficult to ignore because a lot of these patients don't don't get better with the, with the drugs and the medications uh, and in this kind of kind of swamp and quagmire and stuck and don't quite know what to do uh, and then what, what we end up doing and there's some examples where i worked in the high secure prison which is a forensic um uh hospital which is almost like a prison with really uh, supposedly dangerous individuals uh, and there was one when i was, did a place a six-month placement there uh, and he became very violent every time they tried to engage with him and he, he, he was told that he was psychotic and um they, they were giving him injections forcibly um, and every time he refused and there was a big squad of uh, individuals dressed up in riot gear, essentially helmets and shields and, and dragging him to the floor and forcibly injecting him. And then the, then the doctor in charge was applying to the courts to forcibly give him clozapine, a medication that Andrew um, referred to earlier. And, and what they planned to do was hold him and put a tube up his nose and, and, and squirt the medication into and and that's the levels we get to when we ignore i think a very important aspect of being a human being the, the spiritual side of things um and uh, i i what we, what we also know in our own in our royal college of psychiatrists here in england at, at the very least they acknowledge that people who have high levels of spirituality um have better mental health outcomes and it's a big protective factor so there's some acknowledgement but really, uh, psychiatry doesn't know what to do with this. Uh, and, and I think we need more discussion around it. And it's very interesting around the work about potential possession or, or something which, which we're missing. Uh, and, and it's important that, that, that we know really um, uh, uh, have a better understanding of these moving forward. Uh, I think we're in, we're in the dark ages at the moment and we need some light to, to kind of guide uh, doctors in general, but for psychiatrists specifically. Yeah, sure, sure. Now, I, you know, I know some people who who have said I'm delusional because I believe that we have a creator uh, and I believe the historical Jesus and all of these kinds of things. And 
uh, that I'm told I'm delusional over that. And yet there's all kinds of evidence that we can point to for these things that, that the Bible's a historical document and such. And, you know, it, it speaks to some of these things. It tells us not to be anxious about anything, but through prayer, let your petitions be made known to God. There's something about praying, you know, when we're anxious about things, giving that to God and, and doing it out loud. Uh, it's like a weight that lifts off of, off of us for a time. I think this is something sort of what you were talking about, Andy, with some of the people when the guy said, that's a lie, uh, whatever he's being told. But we've had some people on the show. We've had Karen Stewart, who is an uh, NSA whistleblower on, you know, a lot of the mind control that's happening. Uh, we've had a young lady out of England. I think she was up in the northern part of England. Allison Smith, she came on the show. Uh, she had a lot of voice to skull stuff going on in her. And she was even telling me that whoever was doing it, she said they traced it back to the States. It was coming out of the CIA and she was working with some people with Karen and uh, she learned how to do what uh, another lady named Amy that we had on the show. And that was to take the audio recordings. They could, they could pick up the signal of what they were beaming inside people's heads that they would hear like me and you were talking. And uh, she said, Tim, she said they even somehow were able to get in. And I just find this so sci-fi. I mean, just way out there. She said, somehow they're able to access my eyes, what I see in front of me. They can see it. And I don't know how they do that. I, I don't know how any of this works. Maybe you guys have some input on that. But she said it would it would drive me so crazy at times. And she didn't say it on air, but she did say there were several suicide attempts. This is a young lady to just get it to stop. She just wanted it to stop. And Amy even mentioned the young man who was just sentenced down in Florida, uh, Nicholas Cruz. She said, Tim, do you remember when he they showed the video and he's banging his head and he goes, I'm so stupid. I'm so she said, I pulled the audio recording, got rid of all the other stuff. And you can hear the voice, the skull that's being promoted to him saying, you're so stupid. You're so stupid as he's doing that. Have you guys engaged in any of that? And I think this is going to lead to the whole uh, where MK Ultra has come from over the se several decades. I don't know which one of you guys want to take a stab at that first, but are you seeing any of that as well? Well, perhaps if I start um, with, with with a precursor to to the MK Ultra, and I think from the clinical experience, um, we deal with, with a lot of people in psychological distress um, who have internalized external uh, voices, so to speak. So. Uh, quite commonly, uh, an, a parent who uh, is emotionally uh, abusive of their child tells them that they're bad, that children as they grow up into adult have this voice, external voice that they've internalized that becomes them, that they're bad and they're not worthy and you know, often a source of low self-esteem, um, low self-worth uh, and kind of self-sabotage moving forward. Um, so we see in, in, in drug clinical practice that there is a susceptibility for, uh, for humans to internalize external um, uh, suggestions. Uh, and I, I think that there, ha there has been done a lot of work through uh, secret services, security agencies across the world, uh, including our MI5 here in the UK and the CIA in the US, trying to, um, I guess, exploit this vulnerability that we have, this susceptibility that we have uh, as humans. Um, and I think Andy probably knows is probably better versed when it comes to MK Ultra and some of the other projects. 
but but certainly there is a vulnerability that uh, is and has and I think continues to be exploited. Andrew? Yeah, well, that that's 100% correct. And I want to mention, you know, that uh, the, the programs that I'm going to talk about that, that are this government-funded uh, and operated research officially ended in 1977, but most likely they're still going on. And, and some of the individuals you talk to uh, are in the ongoing but yet to be dis officially publicly disclosed programs. But we can look at some of the research um, and efforts in technology development that are related to this, because what you talked about, uh, about being able to see through someone else's eyes, there is a whole field called machine brain interface. And of course, people probably know about Elon Musk's company, which is pursuing a device, but there are many other people in that space. And there's a rich literature that you can find um, in the published scientific uh, space to learn more about what technologies actually have been developed. And then you can sort of connect the two together to see what has been, you know, perhaps implicated. And but what we're talking about here, you know, originally you had asked about kind of the influence of psychiatric medications on perhaps uh, perpetrators of mass shootings. And, right. You know, that, that's a delicate subject because uh, we know that uh, what's reported in the mainstream media is not actually what went down at those events. And we would have to look at each event individually. But I think that we can clearly say that the government has the knowledge to create an individual who could carry out such an act without even realizing what they're doing. And it's through these programs that originally started after World War II. Um, and there were a couple of precursors to the famous MKUltra uh, program. Um, but, uh, and there were many other programs by different names. And these are known about now because of one, a uh, congressional hearing that occurred in 1977, where many of the involved individuals gave uh, accounts. There's also been several lawsuits that have been successfully settled against uh, the federal government in the United States. And then there's been declassification of thousands of patients of documents. And a lot of the details are redacted, but a lot of the information has been reconstructed by scholars such as uh, Dr. Colin Ross, another um, psychiatrist uh, from Canada who wrote an excellent book about this called The CIA Doctors. And these research programs had a number of goals, but they were quite extensive and there were millions of dollars of funding from the CIA. And what they did is they actually recruited academic psychiatrists, civilians, at a variety of different universities, a, a quite an extensive network around the United States and into Canada and perhaps other places abroad. And these included Johns Hopkins, Georgetown University, the University of Minnesota, Cornell University, um, and many others. And they had all of those doctors who were the investigators, the psychiatrists, sign secrecy agreements with the CIA so that they could never disclose any details about what they're doing. Otherwise, they would be, you know, incarcerated or perhaps even given the death penalty. So this was tightly controlled, but quite extensive. And they essentially did a variety of research on subjects. Many of them were psychiatric patients who were hospitalized, uh, but they were also did other subjects uh, like, uh, you know, poor homeless people, uh, prostitutes, etc. 
And they were trying to essentially create a Manchurian candidate uh, type of mind control program where they could make an individual have amnesia um, and be able to be influenced and do things without even uh, any ability to have self-control or understand what they're doing so that they could you know, carry out covert operations for the government. And one of the areas that they looked and did a lot of research in is amnesia. Um, and uh, I can, you know, talk more about um, a case example and the specific techniques that were used, but all of these were done without the knowledge or consent of the research subjects. So these unfortunate patients who were in the psychiatric facility were experimented on without their knowledge, like they thought they were getting treatment, um, but instead they were under the secret CIA-funded research and essentially being tortured in a variety of ways. And a lot of uh, this that's well-documented actually happened, interestingly, at McGill University um, at a place called uh, the Allen um, uh, Institute, I believe. And uh, interesting that McGill also has put, <laughs> uh, to this day, recently has put out a, a hit piece on me specifically. It's ironic that in their own history of psychiatry, uh, that they conducted these uh, highly unethical um, uh, experiments that were, you know, really extensively done. Um, many of them involved drugging, electroshock therapy, uh, and various brainwashing techniques that, you know, I can talk about if you like. Okay. So, so basically, they're, what they were getting into is, is some of the stuff we see like Manchurian candidate kind of stuff or, a clockwork orange and, and things like this. This is what this is what they were involved in. This was what our government was involved in, by the way, for those who don't know the term government, uh, that of control to govern and then meant of the mind. And you can see how they take that very seriously. I guess they're taking our money, which we didn't authorize them to do to conduct experiments like this on unsuspecting people who think that they're they're out to help them and they're really out. I don't know, making guinea pigs out of them? Would you say that's correct? I, I'd like to just read um, one uh, quote Please. from this research because it speaks to this question and, and uh, it'll tell you the resource uh, of this information. So basically, here's the quote. Manchurian candidate work was done under MKUltra subproject 136, which you can find the documents for which was approved for funding in August 23rd, 1961. The deliberate creation of multiple personality in children is an explicitly stated plan in the subproject proposal submitted for funding on May 30th, 1961. So they intended to experiment unwittingly on children and create a multi-personality, multiple personality disorder currently known as dissociative identity disorder. Mm. Well, let me ask you something about that. Do either of you guys see this whole and I hate to even use the, the word, but they, they call it transgenderism, transhumanism, that you can somehow be transformed into something else, that you can go from a man to woman, which you can't. All you can do is mutilate the body. You really can't transform a man into a woman or a woman into a man. You can't do it. You can deceive yourself and other people into looking like it. Do you think that's a part of what's going on here, too? I mean, because, boy, this stuff is coming out in the Mockingbird media, and I call it that because the CIA is tied to that, too. And it's coming out in the in the politics. I mean, we've got people. Guys, are you shocked to see um, this uh, 
the guy he looks like Fred Flintstone with the blonde wig who's in the health department. And you've got this other guy who, who likes men. He's bald headed, but he dressed up like a woman. And he walks men around and like they're in, w- dressed up like leather dogs. And do you not find this as those who are easily controlled and very much may be those who are being controlled by our own government? You, you have to realize that the, there's no way that this is not a planned agenda because look at the rapidity that this was rolled out and people are, you know, have changed their whole view about gender. I mean, even my children, when they go to like a, you know, community uh, peer group, they, other kids who are in regular school, right, none of them believe any longer that there are only two genders. And this is something that happened like, you know, on a dime, uh, very suddenly, if we went back just five years ago and you surveyed people on the street, or on a university campus, everyone would say there are two genders. Uh, and you know now it's totally uh, been transformed, the public opinion, and there are even laws preventing you from saying anything against it in various nations like in Canada. So this is you know obviously part of a big program, and I think uh, if we go to the UK, and I'm not familiar, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but the Tavistock Institute, is um, you know a privately funded think tank uh, research institution that is associated with you know the other globalist groups like the World Economic Forum, and they conduct a lot of research and put out position papers um, on this that you can look at. Ali, just on that, Andy. So the Tavistock, uh, they have uh, they fund a certain um, part of the health service where they offer gender uh, reassignment surgery which um you know amongst all the things on the national health service that we have is is free um there's many operations or procedures or things that would be helpful for a large larger number of people which which are, are not funded but gender reassignment is uh, is free at the point of um inquiry uh, and uh, I, I think it's, it's difficult to um uh to see this as uh, something that is growing out of science or faith because uh, none of this kind of stands to any form of um, critique. Um, from a, it's, it's difficult for for doctors or people or scientists to argue against these points from a purely factual or evidence based or how we understand biology to be without being uh, branded a, a bigot. So we've we've moved into the post evidence or post science era where it's all about opinion uh, and whether we're talking about uh, the trans uh, gender agenda or or anything else um you know we've gone b- beyond uh the, using the brain or the rationale and i think once you do that it becomes very dangerous because you're appealing to people's emotions and feelings and fears and then i think uh, as a you know puppet master you'd you'd be having a field day because then people become very malleable uh, and we've seen over the last few years just how malleable people can be when you appeal to their uh, kind of base emotions um so so i think certainly that it's it's difficult to think otherwise that there aren't these um um uh kind of processes that are going on that are quite deliberate uh, and just going back to some of um the technology there is uh, a british physicist called barry trower uh, and he, he ended up being a whistleblower about 12 years ago here in the uk and he was a, a microwave weapons expert uh, he used to consult with the British Secret Service, uh, and uh, he, he came out and t- told people essentially that uh, all your thoughts, 
all your behaviors can be controlled by microwaves. And this is what he was working with, uh, with the British Secret Service. Uh, and he, he's an expert in this field. And he was saying, look, you know, if you want, if someone wants a thought to be implanted into your mind, then, you know, we've got a frequency for it. I think the understanding of the human brain uh, is much more advanced than what the mainstream has. And I think that would make sense because where would all the science and the developments and the understanding be held? It's within the military industrial complexes of any nations because uh, you want to be advanced in that area. You don't want the general public or the mass people having access to this. You want to stay ahead of the game. So I, I think there has to be an acknowledgement that what we know now in the mainstream is probably 20, 30, 40 years behind in terms of technology advancement than um, uh, where, where certain parts of our society and, and, and governments and, and agencies are. Um, so it is highly, highly concerning. Uh, and, and through these films, there's often a form of soft disclosure. Um, so you know, it's, it's fiction, it's just fiction that you can um, uh, control people's minds and switch them on to to do a, a, an assassination or whatever it is that you want. Uh, but I, I think a large part of Hollywood is funded by um, military industrial complex, um, and so you know there's there's a lot of ideas that are either tested on the population or information that's slowly uh, released in order to um, have some type of disclosure before the next phase of of things uh, advance. So. Um, it, it, you know, it's convoluted and it's complex, but it's clear that it's it's not just entertainment or um, it's things don't happen by coincidence. That that there is a, a plan if you're able just to connect the dots, and you know you, you don't have to be you don't have to be a doctor to do that. Yeah, well, you know, you mentioned the military being involved with Hollywood. My understanding is they've got offices out there that they offer their services. In fact, they they probably put their stamp of approval on a lot of films before they go out. Uh, that deal with this kind of stuff. And one of the things that, you know, I, I believe that we should be doing, uh, and that is, you know, I, I tell people, educate your own kids. I think Deuteronomy 6 is a very clear indication that, you know, we as parents were to have God's commands in, in our hearts. And look, God's commands are revealed in scripture, but I think they're in nature. You know, our founding fathers and, and those uh, in the past here in the States recognized natural law goes hand in hand with revealed law uh, of what God has revealed. And so there are certain things that are right and there are certain things that are wrong. And pretty much everybody can agree on that unless those who want to deceive themselves want to say, no, you can't do that. And then if you go do it to them, uh, they say, no, no, there's not a thing where you can't steal. Well, I'm, give me your TV and give me your car and I'll take your house and get out. No, no these are mine. So you do believe that's wrong. You can always demonstrate uh, that these things are universal. They're not just, you know, for us guys in America or you guys in the UK or whatever the case may be. Those things are there. And, you know, scripture tells us this. This is out of Proverbs chapter four. And he says, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. And I, and I li then this is why he says it. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And he goes on and he gives all these wise sayings to to his son. Um, some of them he obviously kept some of them. He didn't. But he, he gives these things to his son because he's learned. He's learned these are good things for you to to keep at the forefront of your mind. 
And when you guys are talking about some of the programming and, and whether it's in the films or whether it's in you know a television show or even in speeches by politicians or whatever the case may be, the thing is there there has to be discernment as to what's going on, true or false. And it seems to me that both within the the MK Ultra kind of stuff and even with some of the psychotropic drugs and things of this nature, it is to distort what is real. It is to insert a fantasy land in people's minds. And from everything that I'm hearing you guys talk about and the stuff that I've read, all of it's bent toward destruction. It's never to really build the person up. It's never to uh, bless the society or any of this. It's always geared toward destruction. Am I missing something on that? Well, it uh, depends on from which point of view you're looking at and <laughs> whose destruction. A tyrant. <laughs> of course. But, uh, you know, you raise a, uh, a really important point about the next generation because much of the efforts of the programming is aimed at children. Like, why did we see universally schools adopting these social isolation and masking procedures for children that who didn't even show up on the epidemiologic data that they were affected by COVID, right? It's because you're preparing them to follow orders and to distance themselves from each other uh, for when they're older, that they'll do that much more readily. Now, Andy, I'm not seeing a tinfoil hat on your head just yet. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I can see people saying, okay, now he just went off the deep end, but I think you're exactly right. This is, this is tied with the things that we've been talking about the whole time. Look, look at the um, women's rights movement um, of the 60s and 70s. What was the results of that? Now, you know, I'm not making any argument that uh, men and women have any differential of value. Uh, they are different in nature um, in, in several ways, right? But you can't say that men are more important than women or vice versa. But look at what happened as a result of exerting that opinion is that women who raised their families predominantly before that time have now become part of the workforce. And that means they're not available to raise their children. So the children are open to more influence from strangers and in institutions, childcare, after school programs, et cetera, et cetera, latched key kids, all of these phenomenon. And also look at how many children have been produced as a result of that, right? We can see clearly a major reduction um, in the number of children, you know, per family. So these things are real and they were, you know, really promoted behind the scenes by actors in government and other, uh, you know, private uh, global institutions. Yeah. Dr. Kaufman, can you hang on for me a second? Can you guys hang over for just a few minutes or do you have something you got to get to right away? Um, I have a, a few more moments. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll keep you over just a couple of minutes to let you finish your thoughts because we got to close out the show here for the radio. Guys, if you want to check out these guys, uh, head over to... Um, AndrewKaufmanMD.com. You can catch him there and you can get DrAliAjaz.co.uk if you want to check out Ali's site uh, and the things that he does as well. And uh, we're going to continue just for a few minutes. We won't keep you long on the other side of this. So catch that at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Bradley B. with you at 3 and we'll see you in the morning with Kate Shimarani bright and early, 8 a.m. Talk to you then. Okay, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And uh, Andrew, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just wanted to close that thing out. And we'll try not to keep you long because I know you guys have other people scheduled. But if you want to finish your thought, please do so. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really what I'm trying to get across is that if you look and study um, the fields of psychology, public relations, um, and psychiatry, you can see that all of the ideas about how to change the culture and influence people's thinking and behavior has occurred over the last century through compulsory schooling, uh, through mass media, through um, entertainment, including you know all forms, movies, TV, um, uh, music, fashion, right, pop culture, uh, and all of these things have had significant effects on the status you know of humanity and things have accelerated in terms of those forces um, trying to influence. And this is well documented in terms of the government experimenting on its own citizens in the United States, from the Tuskegee experiment to radiation experiments to MK Ultra, MK Naomi, all these other projects. They've been involved with the mainstream media, Project Mockingbird and others. So there's a rich history of understanding all of these influences uh, you know, for nefarious purposes, for control, manipulation, and for profit. And, you know, this is something that we aim to uh, disclose through this alternative uh, journalism that, that you're providing on Sons of Liberty. And it's rampant in psychiatry. And I think overall, really, the institution of psychiatry is really for the purpose of control. And that's why we can essentially incarcerate mental patients as a doctor, like we have police powers to lock people up under commitment. And we are involved in lots of legal decisions. And it's all around this tool of control and manipulation for, you know, the purposes of other people. Yeah, that sounds kind of dangerous to me to liberty. Dr. Ali, you got the same thing going on over there in the UK, despite you don't have the CIA in your backyard. Well, maybe they are in your backyard over there. I don't know. I think we have a special relationship. I think that's what we call it over here. But, but certainly, <laughs> certainly there, there's a category of examples, um, a catalogue of examples rather, uh, of where the British government has experimented on its own people. Um, uh, and one of the most, uh, I think, disgusting examples was a biological warfare tests of, of certain chemical agents in the uh, London underground uh, the public subway that we have here in the 60s. And of course, these things come out 30, 40, 50 years later when the people involved are dead and buried. Um, but you know, the, the principles of how government work and uh, the consideration of the people, I, I don't think that changes. If anything, that uh, just gets worse as a kind of bigger gap. Um, I, I think it, it's very clear that what's happening in society is not something that um, is cultivating uh, morals in individuals and in families and uh, as as Andy Andrew mentioned that there's a disintegration of the of the fabric of uh, families of the fabric of unity um, and it's become increasingly difficult to talk about morals what's right or wrong um, everyone is promoting amoral behavior which is well we can't judge anyone or anything so anything goes uh, and that's just untenable um and really the focus is the children because you know as much as we don't like to admit it no one cares about us now we're, we're too old we're, <laughs> you're not we're you're not cute and, and yeah you're not cute and have those little cherub cheeks that you can pinch anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And so all the focus is on the next generation, the future. We're, we're not the future in that way. Our children are the future. Uh, and so everything is, is I agree completely with, uh, with Andrew, that the, the, the target and the focus is the children. And I think the way to combat that is using the same example uh, that Andrew used about the family and parents. I think if parents stand up um, and take responsibility for raising their kids, uh, and it's not about just it's not about taking them out of school and homeschooling them and everything will be okay. It's just being um, uh, 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 inquisitive and interested enough in your children's lives, uh, and actually be the person that you want them to look up to. You know, be someone that they can respect, and that can come in any in many forms. It depends on your culture, your circumstances, or lots of factors. But be the person that your children can respect. And then you know, you know, there's a lot of things you can do to counter what's going on. It may feel as though after the, the uh, discussion that you know it's all doom and gloom, but but, but the hope is there, uh, and it really comes on the individual. And as parents, how interested you are, how much of a role model can you be for your children? Uh, and you know that takes sacrifice. You know it means changing things in your life, uh, but it, you know there is a way to to to, to kind of reclaim. Uh, our position again and, and try and make the future kind of safer because there's lots of lots of dangers out there and I think we touched on a lot of those including uh, psychiatry medicine governments um, but you know it's not not all doom and gloom yeah and I, I appreciate you putting that on because I think that's kind of what I was getting at is that God gave children not to the state he gives them to us as parents and it's we have a responsibility to teach them uh, you know, the things that God has given, what's right and wrong? Why do we discipline them? Well, we discipline our kids because we don't want them to grow up and have to deal with the boys in blue who might crack their head, pull their gun on them, tase them, throw them in jail. We don't want that for them. We want them to be upstanding people and, and, and loving their neighbors and caring for themselves and for their neighbors as well. And, and, and doing that, there's one thing we didn't touch on. And I, I told you, I'm not going to keep you long. But, you know, Project Bluebeam, we, we mentioned all these CIA things and Project Bluebeam was one where they wanted to stage the second coming of Christ kind of thing uh, for an invasion of Cuba. And if they made it look like, you know, Christ is coming in the clouds, all, they're going to jam the phone lines and that'll open up every everybody be busy with that and they won't see the invasion coming. This is how. Um, gosh, I, I don't know how developed this has become. I, I got this video. I think it was earlier this year or last year. And I mean, look at what, look at how th this is just a projection, a hologram. Now, I guess if you wanted to say, if you wanted to claim that was Jesus, and I think there's a lot to do with why God told us we don't have images and things like this, uh, is because he's a spirit and you can't sit here and you can't. So when everybody thinks Jesus here and they get this, you know, lily white, blonde haired boy uh, that comes out, which is probably nothing like what he looked like. But that's the that's the image they have in their mind. And they've created an idol there uh, and they formulated that. But then these evil guys who want to control the people will use that against them. And uh, I'm going to give the final word here uh, because we didn't really touch on this particular issue. But we've talked about drugs. We talked about the MK Ultra. I would imagine this is sort of an offshoot of MK Ultra too, because it is using something only it's making something appear real to people to believe that's really not real. 
Am, am I missing something there? And I'm going to give you guys the final word. And if you would uh, plug your website as well, where people can find you, find out more about you. Ali, I'll turn it over to you first. And then Andrew, if you'll follow after him. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Tim. I, I think um, uh, it, it, it's, it's really, it's really kind of difficult circumstances at the moment. Um, uh, what we have uh, and what we're facing uh, is uh, a type of manipulation, which I think supersedes the experiments from before where they were looking at uh, how can we control one individual mind. Um, I think what we've seen through uh, essentially psychological warfare is that governments are now able to control masses of people. So it's kind of a group think. And we've known about group think for a long time, but I think the, the key element that hasn't been there in the past has been technology. So. So, so, so the black mirrors that we all carry around with us um, uh, now facilitate or, or, or allow this group think to be um, uh, harnessed in a way which, uh, as we've seen through COVID, uh, in a very kind of powerful and fantastical way. Um, so I think I, I think we've we've moved past I think some of these fantastical specific kind of experiments looking at certain things. I think they were the they, they helped the services, secret services, to understand the human mind in a way which has, uh, which would be kind of a forerunner to, to what we face now. So I think it's it's even more dangerous, you know, when you're able to control masses of people and how they think, and then also how they police each other. I'm not sure what it was like in the States, but over here in the UK, you were being encouraged to call the police on your neighbor if they were doing something against the, um, uh, the COVID rules, like meeting a friend or a family member, you were actively encouraged uh, and in some places incentivized to, um, uh, to to call the police on your neighbor, uh, which would have been unheard of before, um, uh, you know, before the, before COVID, um, but people were, were actively doing it. Uh, and I, I think what it, you know, my own thoughts about this, and it, it, it kind of comes to probably the most unscientific uh, aspect of all of this, that it's type of a, a spell which people uh, get get put under, and I think um, you know all, all the science and all the theories and all the psychology is, is essentially a type of spell uh, that is is controlling people, and we can give it kind of different names. Um, so, so I think the the advancement um, may not necessarily be about specific technologies, but more so around you know just how you can control uh, masses of people. Mm. Uh, see. Yeah, yeah. And and would you tell people about your site again? Yeah, so Dr. Ali Ajaz .co.uk. So just a site about my clinical practice and the alternative treatments and approaches that I have when it comes to helping people with mental illness, psychological distress, uh, and related uh, problems. Okay. All right, Dr. Kaufman, final word from you? Yeah, so I, I really... Um... First of all, appreciate uh, the the in depth knowledge uh, from uh, Dr. Rajaz on this, and I want to just back up what he said about um, you know manipulating society and technology because if you look back at the writings of technocracy uh, back to the turn of the twentieth century, is when technocracy is essentially a an organization of social control. They basically said that they didn't have the appropriate technology at that time to implement it. And now through 
the internet and all of the uh, personal devices that we're connected to at all times, that technology infrastructure is there. And this is, you know, the overall agenda is to create, you know, complete social control through surveillance and uh, digital resources and access to a variety of services and travel, et cetera. Uh, so this is something that we need to be knowledgeable about. And once we understand the truth of this, that is the way to essentially prevent it from happening to us and to society at large. And that's why we're talking about this material and why it's so important for you to learn. So I've actually created um, a category on my True Medicine Library, which is like a vast uh, resource on a variety of topics, including this one. Now uh, I have uh, assembled some materials on MK Ultra, which I'll be um, adding to. So if anyone wants to um, check that out, you can sign up for a free subscription at truemedicinelibrary.com. And also through my website, andrewkaufmanmd.com, there's a link there and you can find out about all my other uh, products and services. Uh, there's a lot of educational resources about all the topics related to um, health um, and uh, natural healing. So I encourage you to uh, check it out. Okay. All right, gentlemen, thank you for, uh, you know, coming on with us and spend a little extra time as well. And I'm glad you guys got connected. I'm glad, you know, this is one of the inter the neat things about what I've seen in the show is that I'll have different people who get connected with each other and they start working with one another. And I think that's a good thing. I, I think those that networking of people who see the problem, they want they want a solution to the problem and um, and their eyes are being opened to the things that are going on. And hopefully this has been helpful for people to understand, because I know so many people, they're they're trusting doctors and the doctors are there in many cases taking advantage of them, whether it's through vaccines, whether it's through other drugs that they give them, or even, you know, psychiatrists, psychologists, I get all this mixed up as everybody knows, but uh, they take advantage of the people and they're out for themselves. And there's no concern really for the health of the person. It's, it's, this is my job. I'm going to do it. And, you know, it's kind of like making pencils for them. It's not really about caring for the other person made in the image of God. So thank you guys for coming on and spending time with us and enlightening us with some of those things. If you'll hang on, I'll say goodbye to you off air. Catch Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And we'll be back with you in the morning, bright and early, 8 a.m. Eastern with Kate Shimarani. Talk to you then. See you.